Praise God. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Whenever I am around other pastors and I hear them talk about their congregations and what the people do and and all, I just praise God that y'all aren't like that. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, we're kind of hard-headed, but we're not near as bad as others and some. Praise God. So we're blessed. Uh to pastor y'all and to be a part of this congregation and to be here forever. And so God bless y'all. Thank y'all for everything you do. It makes a difference because I'm, you know, it's like that old joke. You know, the woman is trying to get her husband up to go to church. He said, I don't want to go to church. And she says, you got to go to church. And he says, I don't have to go to church. She says, yes, you do. You're the pastor. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't want to be like that. And I, I, I love to preach. I love to share the word of God with y'all. I love to see you grow. I love to see your families growing and being blessed. And it means a lot to me and Laura to be able to see, to be a part of y'all's lives. And so anyway, y'all are awesome. You're amazing. Look at the person beside you and say, way to go. You've done a good job. And so we're having dinner on the grounds today. And so, you know, we don't have to go far to eat. And uh, praise the Lord for that. And uh, I want to share, I want to continue sharing this message. And uh, I want to say something before we get into that about Zach playing his guitar. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate you, buddy. And uh, I love it when when young people get back involved in the church and get going. And anyway, so I, I, that song I had I was telling you about that way back uh, I don't know a long time ago. Laura and I had gone to Houston to a church, and it was a biker church. And uh, I, we were just fresh saved, and we went to this church, and, you know, of course, I started relating with all the people right off the bat. You know, there's all these old rough bikers and everything. And so they got ready to do praise and worship, and they started playing that song. Well, if you know music, that's a song by Stevie Ray Vaughan called Mary Had a Little Lamb. And he was a great guitar player, Texas Flood here, Texas guitarist. And, but they changed the words to it. And so the guy starts playing, and I'm like, wow, we can do this in church? It was something God was breaking off of me, you know, because I'd always been in just traditional church. And I'm like, we can play. That's Stevie Ray Vaughan. They can play that in church. And then he starts out, we're going to worship the king. We're going to praise his name, you know. And he changed the words of the song. And I was like, that is so cool. And so I said to Zach in passing, I said, hey, can you play that song? And here he comes up with it. He had it. So I said, praise God. We're going to work it. And then we'll work the new words in. So get your Bibles out this morning, and if you would, let's, let's go. Uh, I've got so many notes on this. I've been preaching this message for so long. I want to review. But go to John, the Gospel of John chapter 3, and let me just do a little short review. You know, if you've, if you've been following this message for the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been talking about uh, basically... Worms in your head. I mean, to have, it's a deworming message about getting the, the the thoughts and the the impressions that the enemy puts in your minds that get you to stumble and fall and not walk in the truth. That's basically the 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 blunt of this message. And so it's kind of a deworming. I'm deworming all of y'all. And so we went through uh, some some areas. First, we were talking about uh, faith, and uh, last week we talked about uh, abundance. Uh, versus poverty. And today I want to talk to you a, a message. And I told my wife, y'all, I'm doing it today because y'all have to love us today because it's pastor's appreciation. 
And so that if I make you mad, you just have to just bite your tongue and go on. Because I want to preach a message today that I, I really believe that it's, a, it's one of the worst um, travesties in the church. I'm not talking about us again. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And it's works versus righteousness. And I believe that a lot of people are hung up in works, and they're trying to do by works to please God. And that's a wormhole, a lie of the enemy that comes into your mind, that gets into your mind that you're never good enough. You're never going to be righteous. You're never going to really be in right standing with God. You're never going to be able to be walking in the things of God. If, you know, if you've been praying and you haven't seen your prayers being answered, then immediately the devil comes in and starts to tell you, well, you did this or you did that or you're not good enough or you don't know enough or you're not really having walking in faith. And he comes in there and he's always trying to twist it around. And like I've been preaching, you know, the enemy knows that he's not going to get you to go knock off a liquor store or, you know, uh, get on the FBI's most wanted list. He knows that he's going to take you subtly. He's going to do little things to get you off of the truth, because that's all you have to do is get off of the truth. And then you're going to be walking in error. And then you're not going to see any blessings from God moving in your life. You're not going to see your relationship with God where it should be. He's going to get you in just a little bit. Even like the devil came to Jesus and he said, oh, if you be the son of God. He always used a little bit of truth. He, he, he used Psalms 91. The devil used scripture on Jesus trying to twist it. Now, how foolish is that? But the devil used scripture. He says, oh, the Lord says, you know, give his, he'd give his angels charge over you. So throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. So if the devil was going to do that to Jesus, you don't think that the same tactics aren't going to be used on you? When I first got saved, I had a real Damascus Road experience in my life. God really opened up my heart and, 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 and changed me overnight and I was so excited to be saved. I was so excited to have, know Jesus and know I was right and with God. And, and I remember I was working as a carpenter and we were re-roofing a, a man's uh, roof. He had old composite shingles on it. We were tearing them off. And if you've ever done that before, it's not the funnest work in the world. And so we had shovels and we we're up there and we were knocking off the, the shingles and working along there. And I saw this vehicle drive up and this man came out who I knew. I knew I'd known him all my life. And he got out and you know, I really believe that he was well-meaning, but he was off. He didn't have the truth. And he came up, and he walked up the ladder, and he got on the roof, and he walked up to me and said, I understand you just got saved. And I said, well, yes, sir, I did. He said, well, that's great. Now, here, let me do something for you. I want to help you out so you can get a good start in life. I'm going to give you this book, and, and it'll tell you everything that's wrong in the Bible. And as he, when he said that those words, I mean, I... I I mean, you know, I just, I was not real well versed in scripture. I'd barely, I'd only been saved for maybe a month, but I knew I was saved. I knew that I knew that Jesus was the Lord of my life. And, and so the other thing I knew is I knew the Bible was true because I'd been re starting to read my Bible. And so I said to him, I said, well, what are you talking about this? You know, the things that are wrong with the Bible. I said, ain't nothing wrong with my Bible. My Bible says on the front of it, Holy Bible. And he's like, well, so Robert, there's, you don't understand this. Sometimes you need to read this book. And, and I mean, I got angry. And, you know, I didn't handle it right, but I got angry. And I said, get off this roof or I throw you off. And he's like, well, Robert, well, I'm just trying to help you. I said, no, you're not. I said, I don't know much, but I know that you're not talking truth to me. I know it. I feel it in my heart. You're not speaking truth to me, so get off this roof. I don't need any stumbling blocks. I don't need anybody to get in my way. Get off this roof before I throw you off the roof. And so he did. And I gave the book to another person that I found out later. And that person got really messed up for years and years and years because they didn't have the truth. 
I'm so glad that, like I said, I didn't handle it nicely. But I was fresh saved. And I, but I knew the truth. And what happens in life is the devil wants to come into your life and he wants to get you and get you off the truth. Even if he just gets you off a little bit, you eventually are going to go shipwreck. And so, so many times we get messed up in doing works to please God. So let me show you this. Go to John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. You've come from God and no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he's old? How can he enter in a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said this to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, and you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, Nicodemus answered, and he said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most surely I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If we have told you earthly things, you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in me, or whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have Everlasting life. Now, John 3.16 is just about known everywhere. I, I would say people that don't even you know, go to church, don't even serve God, will still know John 3.16. All right? We've done a real good job of getting John 3.16 out of the Scripture, but the meaning of it I think we've missed. Here's a man, a ruler, a Pharisee, and he's coming to Jesus. Now, Pharisees, you've got you to remember what Pharisees are. Pharisees are, are religious leaders that knew the Bible forwards and backwards. Okay, just think about doing that. They would have to quote the five, book, five first books of the Bible, the Old Testament. They had to be able to quote it forwards and quote it backwards to be a Pharisee. Now, that just seems like an impossible task. Okay? So everything they did, now don't you know that the day that they did do that, they got through with their Bible quoting, that everybody praised them. And they felt, I'm special because I can do it forwards and backwards. Why backwards? What does that have anything to do with anything? But anyway, they could do it. So they felt, I'm, I'm special. I'm good. And so then they would say, oh, you're going to be a great rabbi. Oh, you know, we're going to, we're going to give you a, a, a special robe. We're going to make you really something because you can do this. You all with me? It became a works 
They did something, they works, and they did something that pleased God. We have to watch ourselves. Listen to me, parents. Be very careful that you don't only reward your children when they do something good. Just hear me. What you should do is unconditionally love them at all times, no matter what. If they're a little rascal, you love them. If they just, you know, jump seven, six on high hurdles, or I mean the high jump, well, then you just love them too. It doesn't make any difference. If you teach your children that if they do something good, then they get praise and love, then they're going to live thinking that God is the same way, that the only way God's going to love you is if you do good, then he loves you. I love my kids all the time. My kids didn't do everything right, and I loved them. Are y'all with me here this morning? Can I get an amen, church? I love my kids. They're my kids. When they were good, when they were bad, I loved them. Hello? But we get this mentality with God that when you perform, then he's going to be happier with you. Therefore, whatever you need or your prayers are or whatever's going on, then you're going to get blessings. So the devil comes in and says, well, the reason why you haven't seen any answer to your prayers, you haven't prayed long enough. So we think, well, I guess that's right. I need to, I need to stretch my prayer. I need to pray more because that's what, that's what religious people do. They pray longer. So it all turns into works. So you're not praying to have a relationship with Jesus or your heavenly father. You're praying to satisfy the works that you think he's calling you to. Now, am I making sense so far? Some of y'all looking at me kind of funny. You start living your life based upon works, performance. We do it in, in, in business. You perform, you have great sales, then you get a bonus. So we think God's like that. If you do really good, you get a bonus. And here's your answer to prayer. Right? And that comes and then it gets into church. And it gets into pastors, and then pastors start preaching hellfire and damnation. They start preaching things that are trying to cause the church to go into fear to serve God rather than faith to serve God. And that's all works-based. And I'm here to tell you this morning, whether you like it or not, God loves you as you are. Whether you love yourself, that's irregardless. God loves you. He loves you just like you are. He loves your craziness. He loves everything about you. He loves you. And sometimes that's just real hard to accept that God loves you. But God so loved the world, and I believe y'all are in the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave his only son for you. He loved you so much. That he gave Jesus for you. Amen. He gave the most treasured thing for you. He loved you so much. See, folks, it's not works. Because if you're living under works, you're always going to be in that place that you don't think you did quite good enough. It's like, the, I love this example, and because and it's true in my life, it may not be in y'all's, but if I... If I'm trying to not eat something, okay, like ice cream's the worst, but if I try to not eat ice cream, and if there was ice cream in the 
fridge, and I'm saying I'm not going to eat ice cream, then I'll sit there and it beckons me, it calls me. I hear its voice speaking. I will open up, you know, and, and look at some news articles and I'll see one, the benefits of eating ice cream. See, I'm going to tell you all one that you're going to have to cast out of your thoughts. I read an article one time about the thing that can relax a person the most is the texture of ice cream on your tongue. Now, you don't think I grabbed that as the truth. I don't know that it is or not. But I mean, I grabbed that. I saw that and said, man, I'm, I'm stressed. So I need a huh on my tongue. So it calls me. It beckons me. And then, then finally I say, well, I've convinced myself, I've talked myself into a little bit, it isn't going to make that much difference. And so then you go do it, and then you eat it, and then immediately your body says, you're such a slacker, I can't believe that you would eat that. I mean, you don't have any more strength and determination to stand against this ice cream. Immediately there's a condemnation. So the crazy body, the crazy self that told me I ought to eat it, it'd be okay, then condemned me once I ate it. So I've learned it's not my friend. So he says, if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever does works, whosoever will please me. No, he said, whosoever believes in him. So that word believe, it, it simply means this, to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit, to place confidence in. He simply means that believes in him means literally that you put your confidence in and say, yes, that's true, I believe in it. I believe in you, Jesus. That man won't perish. That man becomes right with God. You say, well, that's too easy. Well, pastor, it's not really that easy because yes, yes, that gets you into heaven, but then you're not going to get any blessings unless you really perform afterwards. Okay, so you took a half-truth. You believed what would get you into the kingdom of heaven, but you didn't really believe that's what God would answer your prayers based on because then that's got to be works. And so what we tend to do in life, and I'm just speaking to y'all this morning. I mean, you know, the Holy Ghost has got to birth this in you because right now as I'm speaking this to you, if you've been living by works, you're arguing in your head with me that what I'm preaching is truth. Because what we do is when confronted with the truth, what happens to us is we either begin to argue and try to justify what we're believing, or we get convicted that what we were believing was wrong, and we want to repent and change. So if you want to argue in your head with me this morning, because I'm preaching out of the Bible. This, I'm not preaching out of the Reader, Reader's Digest. I'm not preaching out of the doctrine dogma of the church. I'm preaching to you what the Word of God says here. And we take that and we forget it. And then we have people out there preaching cheap grace. Now, listen to me. I'm going to show you something this morning that's going to dispel, dis dismantle that whole thought. Okay? And just hang on. I'll get there. i got to get this thought through your head first. If you're arguing with me in your head right now, saying, yeah, but pastor, if you're going through that right now, I'm telling you, you're living in works. 
Because you cannot accept the love of God that says if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you are saved and made right before Him. Because you can't accept it could be that easy. Now, Jesus says you got to be born again. You got to be born again. Not born of water, meaning natural birth, but you've got to be born of the Spirit. Now, you see, I've, I grew up in church. I was raised in church. I heard all stories about Jesus, went through all the, went through all the, you know, the programs of the church, all the things that the church had. I had all that, I heard all this. It all came to me. But it never, it never touched my heart. I went to the front, made a profession of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, because that's what all good boys do. <laughs> Supposed to. So what happens in the confirmation class? You're from parents, they take you in there, they put you in the class, you go through it, you go through it, and at the end of it, you go up in the front, you make a profession of faith. Somebody said, well, when you made the profession of faith, you were saved. I'm not going to argue that. I'm going to look at the book when I get there, the Lamb's Book of Life, and see what the date is. <laughs> because when I get to heaven, I believe that the date's going to say the day I walked into the barn, discouraged and despair, just, just out of my mind with discouragement in life, and was, was contemplating ending my life. And I cried out to Jesus, is Jesus really real? I want to know you. And at that moment, at that second, I got touched by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God touched me. And that day, that moment, my eyes popped open and I was like, oh, I understand now for the very first time in my life. I believe that's the day I got saved. Because I got born again. We use that term in a religious circles too easy. We say, oh you, oh, you must be born again. Nobody understands that. Born again, it's like Nicodemus. What are you talking about? Go back inside your mother's womb. You can't do that. I mean, you know, nothing. We use it. We flippantly throw it out. But what it means is you got to be touched by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to touch your heart. And that moment he touches your heart that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, that you're right with God, that... Jesus is the Lord of your life. The Spirit of God touched you. The moment that happens, you have been born again. Hallelujah. Hello? Y'all with me? Everybody in agreement so far? Gentlemen and women of the jury? But if you're not been touched by the Spirit of God, then you're just living in works. And I believe that there's Christians that have never been touched by the Spirit of God. They call themselves Christians. They go to church and call themselves Christians. They may even read the Scriptures. They intently want to do good, but they're living their lives by works. And believing that's going to please God. The only thing that's going to get you into heaven is to be touched by the Spirit of God. Because when that happens, something happens on the inside of you. When you're touched by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God hits you, right then something happens on the inside of you, a voice of the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you that when you get convicted that you did something wrong, he's just there to say, why don't you repent and everything will be okay. John 14 says, Jesus himself said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. He's going to teach you and lead you into all truth. He's there to speak to you and say, you just need to turn this. You just need to change it. Just go this direction. That's what he's there to do. All of a sudden, that voice is alive on the inside of you. But without being born again, then there's nothing left for you but to live by works, which eventually turns into religion. So those Pharisees that could read the Bible forwards and backwards screamed at the crucifixion of Jesus, stoked up the crowd, went and said, everybody, tell them to kill him, kill him, crucify him, crucify him. Folks, no matter how you cut that, that cannot be good. There's no way to work out righteousness if you're going to nail a man to the cross and, and it was a good thing 
But they were so out of their heads and they so got all the people going that these righteous by works people, these religious people, were screaming at the cross, at the crucifixion of Jesus before Pilate, saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's the end result of living a life by works. Okay? Now, look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has founded, has found according... Uh, let me start over. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed God. He put faith in it. He he, he disbelieved in it that it was true. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Do you see? Faith produces righteousness before God, but works whoo, gets counted as debt. Under the old covenant, it was a works-based righteousness. So in order to be right, you had to do perform by bringing animal sacrifices. And so Paul's saying, if you want to live under works, be careful because it's always going to be counted to his debt. So everything you do wrong is debt that you owe. And you have to then pay to get that covered. But the problem is the price that you have to pay is always greater than what you can perform. Because the whole point of the old covenant was to show man that he couldn't do it. That's what the whole point of the old covenant was. You can't do it. Yet the Pharisees and the Sadducees were working to try to teach people to be able to do it. Hello. So then we Christians come along, and since the days of the other church, we came in here, and a lot of places has mixed religion. Part faith, part works. And I'm telling you, you're always going to live under guilt. You're always going to live under condemnation. You're never going to walk in victory. You're never really going to walk in joy and peace and the benefits of the gospel as long as there's any works in your life. Until it gets down inside of you that God loves you because he loves you. And that the only thing that pleases God is faith. You believe in and trust in him. Believing in him to forgive you of your sins. Believing in him to make ways for you to, to prosper. Believing in him to, to, to be there with you and hold your hand when you go through hard times. Believing and trusting in him is the only thing that's going to please God. goes on down here and it says, But to him who does works but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. But just as David also describes the blessedness of man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That's Psalms 32. That's the new, that's in the plan this week. That word impute, that word impute, you know what it means? It, does, it means it doesn't account it to. It doesn't, doesn't credit it to. 
That means you went in at the store to, and said charge it, but it didn't get charged because there was no account. It wasn't imputed to you. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Because y'all are real quiet. And I don't know what you're doing, if you're thinking about it or just trying to, you know, what's going on on the inside of you. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. What, what got you there? Yeah. He made us alive with Jesus. Back up a little bit. He made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. So you're sitting there not because of your works and your performance, but because of grace. She's a good old gal. Grace. Hello? You're sitting there by grace. You're not sitting there by your works or your great attributes or because you're pretty. You're sitting there because you are loved by God and he gave his son for you and you believe that Jesus is the son of God. And because of that, boom, grace is on your life. So therefore you sit in heavenly places. Amen. I told you all about when we were in London that uh, Pastor Wynn, he wanted us to go to Herod's uh, uh, expensive department store, basically. And uh, he wanted us to go have tea at Harrods. And I said, when? I mean, come on. You're talking about me. Why do I want to go have tea at Harrods? And, no, you all, you should experience very English. Go there. And, you know, they've got a lot of rules. And not, I don't know, I guess they have rules. They have etiquette of the folding of the napkins in the hands and where you put your hands and what you do. And don't touch it with your fingers. And they're basically just, basically you just can't eat. You basically, at best, can sit in the chair and act like you got sense. But I loved it because, because while we were there, I'm trying to, you know, I'm very uncomfortable. But then again, there's that redneck side of me. I would say, I'd like to see somebody try to throw me out of here. You know, there's that side of me that's speaking. And then I'm trying to be civil in their culture. And, and I realized that's just like living by works. The uncomfortableness I felt the, that I wasn't, I wasn't just able to relax and eat the dumb sandwich, you know? Because you're so busy trying to think of, am I doing this properly? Is, is, this, is this the way you bite it? And this, you're looking at everybody else to see what they're doing. Man, it's miserable. There's no way just to sit down, kick your feet up, eat a sandwich, drink your coffee. Say, Man, this is great. No joy. And that's the way Christians are living their life. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no grace because we're living under this, oh, got to do this, I got to just, oh, and you're trying to be so proper. When God says, all I really want to do is I want you to understand, I love you. And I know you're an idiot. You don't think God knows. You don't think God knows who us country people are. You don't think God knows the, the things that happen when you know, and you're at home. You don't think God knows how you act. You don't think he, he you think he got, he, you got chosen because you were special, perfect. Wow. You are just out of your mind. 
You with me here? No, no, no. You got saved and got into the whole kingdom because of what you believed and because grace came upon you. Grace means that whatever you messed up, God's going to take care of it. Hello? For by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You couldn't get saved by works because then you could boast. Yes, I did it. I accomplished the task. I, Robert Richards, accomplished it. You with me? You can't do that. God says, I'm not going to give them that opportunity. I'm not going to give them that opportunity. You only get saved one way, by faith and believing in my son. And then it's all yours. All the kingdom is yours. And then we say, ah, oh, that just can't be. I mean, that's just too easy. I mean, surely God wouldn't do that. I mean, because God knows I'm kind of a rascal and he's still, you know, he's trying to work some things out. And maybe one day, maybe someday, I'll get to that, that place of elevation. But it said right there that you already got seated in heavenly places by grace when you got saved. So if you already got seated in the heavenly places, what are you trying to get to? What's higher than the heavenly places? What's higher than the throne of God? What's higher than the right hand of the throne of God sitting there with Jesus? What position could be higher than that? And you got that the very first day that you said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we're born again, and the Spirit of God came in you. But you see, we got worms. We got worms in our head, and they're eating holes in us, and they don't know. We, we don't, we're not seeing things right because of... Things and things that people said and, and words and, and, and circumstances and situations and the enemy putting holes in our head. And so we're not, we're not operating in the truth. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. Now this is something in here this morning that's just going to blow your mind. I told you in a minute I'm going to show you how this works. but. You know, you're either going to say yes, or you're going to tell me that me and the Apostle John are wrong. 1 John 3.20. Inside of you is an ability to know what you should do. It's called the Holy Spirit. Because when you got born again, the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you. He's there, whether you listen to him or not. And how does he operate? 1 John 3.20, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because he keeps his commandments and, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You say, oh, see right there, you kept his commandments and are pleasing in his sight. See, you did some works. Let me just dispel that for you. If you say you're born again. And we always use the word sin, okay? And have you ever noticed that we categorize sin? The Bible doesn't, we do. We categorize sin. So, I don't know, let's just throw a few out there. Just getting mad and, and saying a cuss word is, let's just give it a three. In the scale of 
sinning. Because you could have not said it, and that would have just been a two. You thought it. But let's just say you said it, so it's a three. And then committing murder, let's just say, is ten. Right? Do you see how we categorize that? So, you know, that, yeah, well, he sinned, but it was a, it was a three, not a ten. And then when we start doing this, we start trying to justify ourselves and say, well, listen, I only did, only did two one, maybe one and a halves today, and one three, and I know that he did three sixes. So I, at least I'm not as bad as he is. Oh, that's a, you're, you're getting yourself in some trouble here. Because now what you're doing is you're trying to justify your sin that you're not as bad as somebody else's sin, or at least you weren't up to that number, so you're trying to justify it. So you're living this self-condemning life of saying, yeah, I know I'm not good enough, but at least I didn't do that. So what's living inside of you is self-condemnation. What John is saying here is the way you should be living is listening to your heart that's being led by the Holy Ghost. See, folks, if you want to do wrong, okay? So I'll look at the camera out there so that no one, I'm not looking at anybody. So if anybody would think, because this happens to me a lot. People accuse me, you knew, you knew what was going on. I don't know nothing. I just preach and use examples. So let's just say you're living, in, you're, you're living your life and you're reading your Bible and you're trying to do good, but you're having a, 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 an extramarital affair over on the side. And your heart condemns you and you know that that's not right. You say in your heart, that's not right. It's not fair to my wife. It's not fair to my kids. It's not, part, it's not what God wants to do. God's not going to answer my prayers because I'm having this extramarital affair. But you don't want to stop the extramarital affair. Okay, you got some problems because your heart is condemning you. And because your heart is condemning you, you cannot walk in faith. Do you see how this works? God doesn't have to do anything. God doesn't have to say, they're not righteous. Kick them out of the kingdom. No, they got better. They're back in. No, they're on the sliding scale. They're right at their edge. Right at the precipice about to fall over. No, he says, I'm just going to put the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and let your own heart condemn you. Because if your heart condemns you, you're not going to operate in faith. You're, you don't have any faith to walk up and say, hey, daddy, I need $100. Because you figure if you walk up, he's going to say, mm, I know what you did last night. Are you following me? Your heart's going to condemn you. You can't walk in faith, which is what brings everything in the kingdom to you. Because you're self-condemned. God says, I'm going to set it up like this. So then y'all just have to walk it out. If your heart doesn't condemn you, you'll have faith. That you can ask God, and he'll supply anything you need. But if your heart condemns you, well, you're not going to have any faith. And what's judging the heart and pulling the heartstrings is the Holy Ghost if you're born again. If you're not born again, then everything I'm preaching doesn't even apply to you. You'll follow me? That doesn't work. You can't apply it in the psychology of somebody who's not born again. I'm talking about born again people that know that, know that, know that Jesus is a Lord of the life. You're following me. So if your heart doesn't condemn you, then you know you have faith and you have, you're righteous before God. But if your heart condemns you, then you're going to be self-condemned and you're not going to have any faith, so therefore you're not going to operate in the principles of God. God never moves his love from you. God never backs up. God never goes away from you. God is always right there, but you're the one that's not believing. 
God's love to you never quits. It never stops abounding. The, the, whoo, the, if you were just, man, I mean, the day you got saved is clean as a little baby. He still loves you. His love is abounding towards you. You're the one moving, not God. Because of your heart. So God says, I don't think it's easy for you. If your heart does condemn you, repent. Repent. Let me wash you out. Clean you. Get the wormholes healed up. Just let me get the wormholes healed up. Let me get it all fixed straight with you so you can be right. Just repent. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to repent because, you know, you know, okay, well, then your heart's still going to condemn you. You're not going to walk in faith towards God. And if you don't walk in faith, then the promises he said, let me read it. Let me read it. Matthew 7, 7. Then the promise says, ask, and it will be given. Seek. You'll find. Knock. And it will be open to you, right? That's what the promise is to the person in faith, walking with no heart condemning him before God. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. So, folks, I don't know about y'all, but I just would rather live under, you know, the ask, seek, and knock phase of life than the self-condemnation or trying to justify my actions. Now, what's funny about it is some people get condemned in, on certain issues, and other people don't. I, I heard this story. It was told to me by a, a, another pastor from Europe. He said that there was two sections in, in, in Europe and of, a, of a same denomination of a church, but one section over there didn't believe smoking was bad. It was a sin. And then the other section didn't believe that drinking was bad. But they believed that smoking was bad. So they drank but condemned smokers, and the smokers smoked but condemned drinkers. So this was the same denomination in two churches. So whenever they had a conference, they could not get over each other. Look at that guy's over there drinking. He drank a drink. He's drinking a beer over there. And the other one, well, he's smoking. I can't believe those people. They're over there drinking a beer over there. You know? And the other guy said, look at that guy over there smoking a cigarette. I can't believe that. Oh, drinking a beer. And they were condemning each other. All right? Now, as a child, I was, a I guess you'd say, an observant child. My parents, my father was of one denomination, and my mother was of another denomination. And so when I got left with the grandparents on my mother's side, they, I went to church with them. And so I just noticed when I was a young kid growing up that they, in between Sunday school and church, they had a smoke break. You know, it was the 1960s. And, and everybody went outside and had a smoke break. Everybody stood right outside and smoked, smoked a cigarette, smoked their pipe, smoked whatever, you know. Everybody had a little smoke break before they went into church because nobody thought anything was wrong about smoking. And then all of a sudden one day, I remember, you know, as time went on, went on, and then the rules changed. Then all of a sudden, one day it became frowned upon that it was a sin to smoke. And I remember thinking about all the, the, the men who used to stand out there and smoke, they didn't even go out there and smoke no more. And I remember as a child thinking, what did they, I'm just telling you, this is a child's mentality. I said, what did they finally find it in the Bible? Because <laughs> I was thinking, you go to church, the Bible sets the rules. So they didn't know that was a rule, don't smoke. So then they went 
And then, oh, somebody must have, oh, I didn't know it said this over here. Smoking, everybody, and so they all quit. <coughs> now, I'm not up here condoning smoking. I think smoking is bad for your health. Okay, so just get that over with. The point I'm trying to say is the judgment of people and what they do. But isn't it funny that godly people smoked and were not condemned? But then somebody began to talk to them and say something to them, and then all of a sudden they got condemned, and so then by, in faith they couldn't smoke anymore. My point is, if you're truly born again and you're following the Holy Ghost, listen to what the heart's saying to you. There's things we, us country people do that other people frown upon, right? When we were in Ireland, you know, I've always heard about it all my life, blood pudding. I'd never seen it until we went to a restaurant. It was there. I was like, Ugh. and it was taboo. To me, it was taboo. I mean, I immediately thought of the scripture about God said, don't eat the, uh, the blood, right? And, and so then I, I was there, and I didn't, didn't realize what was going on, and, and we were, had this, there was this big buffet line, and I thought, they were, I thought it was a potato. I thought it was a potato. I thought it was hash brown, and I got a piece. I didn't know what it was, and I ate it. It was shaped different. It was very good. And I ate it, and it was very good. And so I asked her, just, what is that? And she says, oh, well, that's, that's uh, blood pudding. I was like, what? I, I ate it? Oh, my God. Immediately began to repent. Father, forgive me. I didn't want to ever eat the blood, and I did. I didn't know what I was doing. Had she not told me, I would have never been condemned about it. Are you following what I'm saying? There's just things. This is a, that's a very small, small thing. But where people preach cheap graces, they say, I'll go do whatever you want to. It doesn't make no difference. And I'm saying, no, that's wrong. Because if your heart condemns you, you can't have faith towards God. And if you don't have faith towards God, ask, seek, and knock ain't going to work for you. How we should be living our lives is in faith towards Jesus. So graceful, so grateful for the grace he's given us. So grateful grateful for the mercy and the love he shows us. We should be wanting and living to have a relationship that, that honors him in everything that we do. A person once said to me, I really like you, Robert, because you know, you're so frank about everything. And I said, well, what would be better for me to hide what I really think? I mean, you might as well know. You know, since me hiding it, this is who I am. Wouldn't it be better to live like that before God? And just say, God, this is who I am. And, 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 and lead me and guide me. Holy Spirit, show me. I want to I be pleasing to you in all ways. Lord, just uh, my heart yearns to be with you. I just want to walk with you. Lord, I, forgive me for my ignorance. Forgive me the stupid things I did. Forgive me, Lord God. Just cleanse me and wash me. Let make me just keep me new right before you. And just keep going. Keep going. And keep going. And keep going. Well, then, folks, you're going to live a productive life because then your heart doesn't condemn you, and then you have faith to ask him for anything you need. Works, you're never going to make it. Works, you're never going to make it. Because if you're trying to do it by works, there's always going to be somebody else that will come up with a new one. If you do this, and then next year, because they did it, it'll be this. Oh, but then it has to be this. Oh, and then it has to be this, and you'll never accomplish it. Amen?
So put your Bibles up and stand to your feet if you would. For all of you watching and listening out there on the broadcast today, I just want you to know, man, Jesus loves you. And I've preached a, a truth to you today. And wherever you are, I ask you just to grab hold of it. If your heart's pounding right now and you know you're not right with God and you want to be, just call out to Jesus right where you are. Tell him you want to be born again. You want to be born of the Spirit. You want your sins forgiven. You want to, your, your sins washed away. And you want to be right with him. And wherever you are, the Spirit of God will touch you right there. If you're in here today, I want you to know the same thing. You know, sometimes in life we live, we go through life and we may just be going through the motions. But you know down here on the inside of you if you're right with God. You know down here. I can't explain it. I can't put words to it. I can't cut your chest open and pull it out and say, yeah, right there is the spot that's believing. No, it's what's inside of you. You know it. But if you don't, you're not sure. Let me have my prayer team come down, please. If you, our prayer team are going to be up here today. And if you're not sure, well, then you need to come pray with them. You need to come to the front. You need to just, just tell them, say, I, 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 want, you to, I want to pray. I, I need to be right with God. And they'll lead you through a prayer. And right here today, the Spirit of God will come in, inside of you, and you'll be born again. But listen to me. The thing that I think most of us are trapped in today is some of you have been caught living by works. You know, as I preach this message, you little, little thoughts begin to come up in your mind of things that you're doing in life, living by works. And let me just say this again. I'm just preaching. Okay. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at the Holy Ghost. If going through this message, you begin to try to justify, well, watch out. You're on some dangerous ground. You're trying to justify rather than just repenting. And it's going to cause nothing in your life but grief, pain, sorrow. Because you can't walk in grace when you're living like that. So if that was you, I'm going to pray for you. Okay? I'm not going to ask you to lift up your hands or do anything like that. I'm just, all right, there. God knows who you are, and you know who you are. And I'm going to pray a prayer over you right now. And I'm going to believe God, the Spirit of God, to touch you. If you're out there listening and watching, this goes for you too. So just bow your heads and grab hold of this prayer if this is for you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just believe with all of my heart that you know and you see every person's heart in here. Those, Lord God, that have been living in works, have been struggling and striving in works, Lord, right now, I pray that you impart this message into them so that, Lord God, their eyes are open and they can see the truth. That this day, Lord God, they'll never live by works again, but they'll live a life of faith to please you. Father, those right now that are that, that little, little, Lord, I see them as barricades that are being thrown up in their hearts to, to, to justify this or justify that or yeah, but this or yeah, but that. Lord, I pray right now every one of those barricades, those blockades just be torn down. And they to be able to see you, Jesus, for the loving, amazing God that you are. That God, you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son. 
and that the love of God would break forth in their hearts right now. The love of God would break forth in their hearts right now and destroy every one of those barricades. So Jesus, I thank you for the Holy Ghost on the inside of us that you said he would be there guiding our hearts, bringing conviction where conviction needed. So Lord, we thank you for that. So Holy Ghost, I thank you for doing the job right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at the person beside you and say, man, I feel better. And take that person's hand. Now listen to me, church. We're going to go have dinner on the grounds. If you didn't know about it, we've got plenty of food. Everything's going to be a blessing. But I ask you today to do one thing for me. Go, go make a new friend. Let's go make a new friend today. Find somebody today you had never met, hadn't been around, whatever. Go make a new friend. Because friendship is when what we're taking to heaven. Right? So, Father, I just declare the food's blessed today, Lord. I thank you for all these awesome, amazing people. I thank you, Lord, this day that as we celebrate together, as we rejoice together, that our friendship and our fellowship is this rich, that, Lord, you're right in the middle of all of it, that we make a new friend today. We're blessed today, Lord, beyond all we could even imagine. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. Bless all the hands that prepared the food. Bless all the people, Lord, working today to just honor us as pastors. Lord, I thank you that because they honor us, you honor them and bless them this day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.